Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today's episode is brought to you by Mercury Mile. Mercury Mile is fusing fashion and function for all runners. They create a personal shopping experience for men and women at any stage of their running journey. It's fun. It's easy. First, you create your profile on mercurymile.com and you pick a shipping date. And lastly, you receive and explore a curated box of incredible apparel from personal stylists that match your fit, style, and unique running needs. Keep what you love. Send back what you don't. It's free shipping and free returns as always and no subscription required. I really enjoy Mercury Mile. That's why I'm so excited to pump them up here on the show, and I think you'll like them as well. Go to mercurymile.com, and if you use Rambling Runner 10 as your promo code, that's Rambling Runner 10, not only will you save $10, but you're also going to help out the show. So I'd really appreciate it if you did that, and I know that you will not be disappointed. And if you are, shoot, you can just send all the stuff back anyway. So you really have nothing to lose. So on today's episode, I'm excited to bring you an interview with Audrey Springer. Audrey is a popular running blogger. She has a blog called Running the Alley. That's also her Instagram handle. And I've gotten to know Audrey for a little while, and I was so excited to talk to her. She recently set a PR in the half marathon, and we had a great conversation about, I guess, a lot of things. But one thing in particular that I took from our conversation was how she switched her race plans because she just wasn't feeling the marathon. Now, she's an experienced marathoner. She ran Boston last year. She has run in the mid-320s. But she just wasn't feeling it. So she switched mid, you know, kind of like mid-training plan to a different race, and it made all the difference in the world. We talked about a bunch of other things as well, but I'm not going to give that up right now. You'll have to hear it, and I'm sure that you'll enjoy the conversation. Also, I also want to bring up something that I am so excited about. So I'm recording this podcast a week before the Boston Marathon. We are going to have a rambling runner meetup the day before the Boston Marathon. So on Sunday, April 15th, from 1.30 to 3.30, we're going to have the Rambling Runner Meetup at the Boston Common Coffee Company. So that is the Boston Common Coffee Company. It is on 515 Washington Street, just south of the Boston Common. There's three different locations. This is the one right next to the Boston Common. It's next to the Boston Opera House and behind the Hyatt Regency Hotel. I hope you can come. I'm really excited about it. In fact, the first 50 people who come to the meetup are going to get free Rambling Runner t-shirts. So courtesy of On Your Mark, that's On Your Mark. Uh, They're a running company, and Mark is actually spelled with a Q. So it's M-A-R-Q. They're hooking up the show with free uh, t-shirts, and it's a shoot. It's a really good product. I'm really excited about it. I'm going to be wearing one. I shouldn't say the first 50 people because I'm going to take the first shirt. So I guess the first 49 people after me will get a free T-shirt. I'm excited. In fact, some of the guests that we've had on this show are also going to be in attendance. So if you like what you've heard from previous episodes, shoot, come by and uh, and meet some of those people. So I hope you do. And with all that being said, check out On Your Mark as well. It's On Your Mark with a Q instead of a K. Uh, They're doing great things. Thanks to them. Thanks to Mercury Mile. And thanks to Audrey Springer. I hope you like this episode. Hello, Audrey, and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. I've been looking forward to chatting. 
I know. I'm so excited. I'm kind of nervous, but I'm excited. <laughs> oh, I'm excited too. And I, shoot, we almost did this about a month ago, and I am so glad it didn't work out because at the time I was bummed, but now I'm so excited because you just killed it in the Knoxville Half Marathon 13.1. You dropped a 136.55 for a PR and a half. First of all, congratulations. Thank you. That was unexpected, but, oh, my gosh, this is, like, my first time talking about it, so I'm super excited to kind of share a little bit about it. Yeah, and why, why was it unexpected? Um, Knoxville is just known for being such a hard course. So going into it, I had high expectations for myself and knew I was, like, you know, shooting far um but I don't know I was I went for it and that's all the you know I was kind of a um PR course I hadn't ran that fast in a long time I actually I don't think I've ever really raced a half so I really didn't know what my potential was with it but like I said Knoxville's such a hard course so um that felt really good now, had you had you run that race before? As you said, like you had you ever raced a half, but have you run that half marathon before? Yeah, so um, Knoxville. I've lived in Knoxville before, and then I moved away, and then I came back. Um, so I had ran the Knoxville half before, and I had no, honestly, I had no idea what I was even doing, you know. Um, and then it was actually my full first full marathon too. So it was kind of an awesome course to PR on. Um, it felt like, uh, Knoxville's my favorite race ever, um, just because it's a small town and, um, the community is amazing. Um, but now I had read that you did a five week training plan for this half marathon. <laughs> so first of all, is that true? And second of all, what exactly does a five week training plan look like? Okay. It's it's true um I don't think I've ran much more than like 10 miles a week um in January I decided that I was going to start training for a full marathon again in April so you know I peaked up around like 29 so I think I did like two or three weeks of training for that um and then I took like three weeks off because I went to Disney and just had a lot of fun um and then I said so the Knoxville half was always going to be my training race so we were going to do you know five miles before doing the half marathon at marathon pace and then finish you know make it like a 20 miler day um and then when I decided to start my marathon I said I don't just go for a PR like go for it so I made up a little training plan I think I ran maybe four times a week in the training plan because I didn't, I went from, run, you know, running nothing to, you know, eight to 10 miles a week to running, I think I was hitting 26 miles a week. Um, so I did two solid training um, sprint workouts a week, and then I did a long run, and then I did, you know, kind of a recovery run during the week. Um, but what a whirlwind. It was so much fun, though. It was weird because I've never done, I haven't done that kind of speed work in a long time. I did, like, hill workouts, so I tried to play it by you know, what my pacings were, um, what I wanted to hit. I knew Knoxville is a really hilly course, so every long run I ran on the course. Um, yeah, it was, that was crazy. So with the speed workouts, and you have a speed background, and we're, and we're going to dive into that a little bit later, um, did you tailor the speed workouts to anything particular, to any, kind of any, to any part of the race, or was it just more of, 
you know, kind of going back to your old favorites? Um, they were totally different. You know, I kind of looked at different training plans and took a little bit of everything from all of those. Um, and you know, things that I've done in the past, but, uh, I, my goal was a 135. So that was really what I was shooting for. And I knew that was a long shot, but, um, I think if I was going to go for it, I was going to go for it. So, and I'm one of those, like, I would, I was running some pacings at like six minute pace, um, which is obviously super fast, but you know, I figured it shoot higher and then I'll land somewhere in there. (laughs) It's kind of my, was my premise on that. So why did you end up scrapping, uh, the marathon idea? Um, there were a lot of reasons. Um, my biggest thing is that obviously I want to get back to Boston for 2019 and, you know, I, we picked a marathon that was really flat and it was in my sister's college hometown, which is the Ohio marathon or Athens marathon in Ohio. And it's on a greenway and it's really, really flat. So super nice course to BQ on. Um, but something in my heart just did not feel right about it. You know, I looked at it like, um, I don't know. I think in a post one time I said, you know, I've only run four marathons. So why would I, and I look at marathons, like that's a huge accomplishment and something that you spend 16, 18 weeks training for. And nothing about this marathon I was looking forward to like nothing. I've already ran it on a training run with my sister before. And it was kind of, you know, just your typical flat greenway. Um, but I look at it like, you know, four days in my entire life, like I'm 26 years old, four days, I've only ran a marathon. So I look at it like those are like once in a lifetime type moments that not many people can experience or say, and what are they, what marathoners are the 1% or 5%. And I didn't want my fifth in a lifetime day to be something that was just, eh, you know? Yeah, and just doing the training with that sort of mindset, never mind race day, is just is super hard because once you get to race day, obviously you're going to be nervous, but if you've done all the training, it kind of takes care of itself on some level. Obviously, it's going to be really hard. Um, but, yeah, going through the, the, the just the physical and mental grind of training, if you're not super up for it, would be one heck of a challenge. Yeah, and you should be, like, you should be so pumped. Like, I had a friend run her first half marathon on Sunday, and you could just tell it was, like, in her in her eyes, you know. She was so lit up about it, and that's what I want to feel. Like, I want to feel that kind of, that, like, feeling when you line, line up for a race. You should feel fire and excited, and from, and if week one you're not feeling that, you know, it's not right, so... Um, I backed out and I'm just so happy I did kind of, because at this point in my like running career, I needed that half, this half marathon, that kind of revamp, um, that, you know, relight of my fire kind of a thing and, uh, something different. I don't know. Yeah. So obviously, uh, with all of that being said, you must've gone in into this race ready to roll. Uh, so you said before you had a 135 goal. Um, but that, that was fairly aspirational. Uh, so what was the race plan going into the race, especially considering that you had such familiarity with the course? Like how, how did you approach the race in a very, in, in, try to speak as detailed as you can about, about the actual race plan? 
Yeah, so Knoxville, I look at it, Knoxville has three big hills. Um, they're about like 100 feet elevation gain in your mile. Um, so essentially, you know, it's a pretty hilly course, but like three big ones. So um, the first mile, you know, you're you're pretty much downhill, so you're going pretty fast. The first half mile is like all uphill at the start, which kind of, but for me, it like awakens your legs a little bit. So I kind of went into it, you know, for 135 is like a 715 pace. So I said, you know, okay, don't go any faster than that. Cause I know that 135 was, you know, jumping a little bit. So I, you know, I was about, so I went kind of fast at the beginning, but you know, you're kind of hyped up and it's downhill. So, um, I think my first three miles were average, like around 711, 705. Um, and then I kind of settled in. So you go up a big hill and you turn into this nice neighborhood that's, um, you know, downhill until you get to the end. So, you know, your hills are at mile three, eight, and 11. Um, I averaged a 724 pace, so I tried to hang on to around, I tried to stay between 715 and 730 the rest of the time. And um, when you were, when you came up to the hill sections, how did you approach those? I kind of you have like two different schools of thought, right? Do you try to charge up the hill? then coast the downhill or do you try to go up the hill at a moderate pace, kind of save yourself and then try to bomb down the downhills and try to make up the time? Um, Oh gosh. I am not your like charge up the hill kind of girl, but I, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I look at everybody and I just try to pick people off if that makes sense. So I feed off their, um, them like falling behind. I like feed off that. So I try to pass them, but um, I for sure battled a girl in one of the neighborhoods, you know, we kept going back and forth and she would charge up the hills and I would pass her on the downhills. But, um, so everybody kind of, I know everybody does something different, but I just kind of keep a consistent pace. Um, I always, you know, people are like, oh, it's so hilly. It's so hard, but whatever goes up must come down. So, you know, as long as you just kind of keep steady the whole time, um, feed off those downhills, open up a little bit, um, I think those they help a lot, you know. Yeah, especially with your your uh, middle distance background. Obviously, you have a little spring in your step. You have strong legs. I can see you being able to really make it happen on that downhill and kind of kind of let your your fast switch muscles fly a little bit. Especially <laughs> if it's kind of an extended downhill, you where you can really get a good rhythm. Yeah, you know, I when I did Boston last year, my legs were tore up. But I think if you know, I lived in Ohio and I was training, and it's so flat, so you know, I think the biggest thing is just training your legs for it. Um, you know, that's why I made it a point to run the course every week, just because then you know those uphills and you know those steep downhills and you know, like, your legs already are familiar with that feeling. Um, it makes the biggest difference. That's a great point, especially for a hill. Like, as you mentioned, at Knoxville, there's a big hill at mile 11. It's one thing for a hill to be in, like, the first half of a race when you're feeling pretty good. You know, like that that's almost like, all right, whatever, I can handle that. But that that late hill can really be a crusher if you haven't planned for it in your training. Oh, yeah. And it, it was so funny. There's this girl and, you know, you're you have bibs on. And in this marathon, there's, you know, yellow for full marathons. There's like blue for um, relayers. And then there's yellow for half. So you don't unless you're right up next to somebody, you don't know what color their bib is. Um, so I just try to pick people off and hang on and, 
um, you know, when they have a ponytail swing and I'm coming for you kind of thing. Um, but she dropped her goose at like mile 11 and a half and I saw her bib color and I said, no way. You know, I took off after her and, uh, I don't know who needs their goo past 11 and a half, uh, you know, with 13 miles, but I, I took off. I was like, no way. She went back for those things. You know, you keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so was she, so I'm assuming she was running the half as well? Yeah, she was. Got it. Got it. Well, you had an interesting <laughs> post. I think it was February 27th. Um where you kind of it was one of those like um kind of a throwback Thursdays or whatever post that you had, but it was I thought it was really interesting because you laid out a bunch of different um points that you'd had kind of stressed in your recent 7 to 8 months uh of improvement that you you know basically gone basically two-thirds or three-quarters of a year and had a lot of improvement. And I thought it was a great post because it was obviously straight from the heart. And it was some of those – it was some topics that kind of apply to a lot of people. And I think there were a couple of them that I really wanted to talk to you about, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, one of them – I think the first one on the list was work harder than you hope. And that was something that you had you know, to make sure that you were doing. So was that a problem for you in the past? Um. You know, to kind of backtrack these last seven months, um, you know, I went through a summer and I overtrained. And I know, you know, if it's happened to you, you know what it feels like. And, it, you know, I don't know. But I kind of went through a very uh, hard time where I, I just struggled with it, you know. So when I moved down here to Knoxville in August again, um I kind of restarted. I took a month off of running. I started lifting and I just kind of refocused a lot. And so when I set these goals and I always have something kind of brewing, um, you know, you have to work harder than you hope for it. Um, and I truly believe that I, you know, I hope that I can reach things, but you have to work so hard for that. Um, so yeah, I do believe that I did. And I hope, you know, people read that and definitely can relate or, you know, strive for that. Yeah. And then another one you had on here, I think it was the third bullet. You said, make sure you persist and persevere. And in, you know, in that time, since you moved to Knoxville, what are some of the things that you've, you know, kind of persisted through or, you know, had to persevere through in order to, you know, get this PR and to make sure that you're, you're doing the things from a running perspective that align with your short-term and long-term goals? Um, you know, I said the other, the other day in a post, like, um, you know, reaching higher than my, what I thought I was capable of. I said, you know, just write it down and go for it kind of a thing. Um, and one thing I said was that I kind of ran, I put myself on a treadmill because I knew that, and I'm training alone a lot more down here, but, um, when I set those times, you know, the pace is on the treadmill. I was like, my mental, my mentality was this treadmill is going to throw me off before I give up kind of a thing. And that was something that I felt like I really persisted and persevered through, you know, that mental block that I would have not had last year or that would have held me back or would have prevented me from, you know, reaching that next step that I thought was not, you know, that was unattainable. I love the imagery of that, that, that the terminal is going to throw me off before I get off here. It's almost like you're like, have this like adversarial relationship with the treadmill, which I can absolutely relate to, frankly. Um, and, uh, no, that, that is pretty cool. And 
on here, you had a really good, I, I love, I love uh, this other one too. You wrote, um, you were assigned mountains to show that you can move them. I thought that was a great line. Did you come up with that? <laughs> you know, I probably heard that somewhere along the line, so probably not. Um, but, you know, I truly believe that. I think that, you know, my sister's going through some things or, you know, people go through things every day. And I truly believe that you were assigned that mountain because, you know, if you can move it and you can get through it, you come out stronger on the other other side. So, um, you know, in these last seven months especially, you know, I you would have never caught me dead in a weight room. I was so – even in college, I – we had 6 a.m. lifting practice, and I was the girl hiding in the stairwell. You know, I did not want to be there. <laughs> so, you know, you were, there are things that you need to, you know, climb in order to get to the other side. And that, I think, you know, um, truly I believe that if I would not have overcome, you know, the overtraining and the menta- you know, mentality that I had at that time, or, you know, if you don't believe in yourself or things like that, those are things that you have to climb to get over so that when you're on that other side, you can look back and say, wow, I made that or I went through that and I'm here I am now, you know. And that leads in perfectly to, to the last point that being challenged is inevitable, but being defeated is optional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love oh that. Oh, my gosh, you're like making me like over here. This is this is like motivating. I can't believe I broke this out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was motivated reading it because I think it. I think you struck a chord here um, because these are pretty universal things. You know, I think it applies to a lot of people, and it's not exactly. While you wrote it in the context of running, it's not exactly running specific, right? I mean, it could be towards any endeavor, um, and I think it also aligns pretty well that last part, the challenge. I'm sorry, being challenged is inevitable, but being defeated is optional. It kind of aligns with a post you had the other day where you wrote, it's okay to struggle um, because we've all gone through it. But at the same time, it's easy sometimes to kind of get lost in our own personal struggles or challenges and maybe not have the perspective of like, hey, man, like, other people might be going through this too, or other people are going through this too. And other people have gone through this exact thing and come out the other side instead of just kind of wallowing in our own internal negative thoughts and monologues. Yeah. And, um, you know, that quote from about the struggle from the other day was from, um, ego is the enemy, this book I'm reading. And, uh, is that, uh, is that, is that Ryan holiday who wrote that book? Yeah, it is. Um, And one of the other quotes that I wrote down was that, you know, you have to look at yourself from, from a distance kind of a thing. And, um, I really truly think that, you know, we get so caught, like you said, we get so caught up in our own stuff that we just forget to kind of take a step back for a second or, um, I don't know, we're so in our heads all the time that we forget what's, what else is going on. Yeah, that's a good point. And not only what else is going on, like, in our own lives, um, which sometimes can be, you know, like a panacea to whatever ails us if we just kind of shift focus to other things. But at the same time, you can also look at other people, right? Like, shoot, I can look at you and say, hey, she wasn't feeling her training. She was kind of lost about the whole marathon thing. But then she shifted focus to another race. And all of a sudden, boom, lit the fire again. And then she was off doing 
you know, setting a PR and doing something really fun and exciting. And it was kind of like a kind of like a quick, relatively quick turnaround from like one mindset to another mindset, simply by a shift of focus. And I think that that, you know, there's there's those kinds of stories abound. Right. It's not like one in a million. There's people who are doing that sort of thing all the time. But it's so easy to forget that sometimes. Yeah, no, I agree. And um, even now, like, you know, I just finished a half, but I'm about to start training for a 5K, you know, just things like that. It's it's switching so much. Um, but it is really cool to look around and see, you know, that's why I love Instagram, just because you can see everything that everybody's doing, like, you were doing mile repeats the other day and I was looking at your times. and I was like, wow, you know, that stuff is like inspirational. Like he kept going and he kept persevering and, you know, things like that. So it's the community um, and looking around and seeing, you know, people. And that's the thing, I guess, was the whole premise of it was that we see all these successes and everything. But, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of struggles that we don't post. Um you know, you forget, like I said, the sweat, like you don't see that part. You see like the glamour shots of us smiling and things like that, but you forget that there's, you know, there's faces that you make that you're, there's struggle, there's hardships in there and there's, you know, mental breakdowns and there's, you know, things like that. I agree. I definitely like hearing not just, you know, in social media, but even like, by, you know, I'm a big biography reader. I used, if I read something, um, and I, reading is in quotes. Usually for me, it's like an audio book, but, um, you know, I really enjoy nonfiction, but I love like the, like the, the biographies that tell the, the story of the struggle alongside, um, the story of the successes. So it's not, so you have like the full kind of the, the, the full scope, the full picture, um, you know, the full journey as opposed to just the highlight tape. Of, oh, of, I love know, the, that. Of, of the personal successes. And I think that's one of the reasons, one of the many reasons which I kind of was excited to talk to you because you had that right from the start, like even, even like your college running days. Yeah. And I, I love that. I love being able to read people's ups and downs and like, especially when you're, you know, in your case, like listening, you're, you're excited. And then, you know, you see where they came from and then see, you know, what they went through to get to that highlight and you get to embrace it all with them. So I really like that. Yeah, and I think part of it too is that the the, and maybe this isn't the same for everybody, um, and this is definitely kind of like twenty twenty vision, like in hindsight. But sometimes the successes are sweeter if you've had to kind of taste the bitterness, disappointment. Not, that, I, I mean, I mean, I no, say yeah. that, but but at the same time, like I'm not wishing for disappointment. Like I just want to taste <laughs> success all the time anyway. So like I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna sit here and be like, oh, I'm so glad I went through that negative time. Like it'd be easy for me to say that and maybe it would sound good on a podcast, but like, I wouldn't be completely <laughs> honest if I were to say something like that. Yeah, no, I agree. So, so you were, you know, you were a runner, you know, all the way back in middle school, you were all over, you were running the 200 meters back in high school and the two mile, um, I said two, two meet 200 meters in middle school. And then the, the two miles in high school, um, and then you elected to, to run in college. So for you, what was the college decision process like, um, kind of measuring, or I'm sorry, weighing like the benefits of the academic side versus trying to decide how and where, uh, you might want to run in college? Um, so I honestly, you know, didn't really know where I wanted to go to school. I thought I wanted to go to a big school. Um, and then I ended up going to a very, very small school, but, 
Um, and then I thought I was going to go to a school in Ohio and I ended up in Kentucky and bottom of Kentucky, much less. Um, I don't know. I just, everything kind of fell into place and I felt like it was meant to be, you know, I was kind of at that point where it was like, people said signing days coming up and I took my, um, you know, your test when you're a senior, I took it late to get into college and cause running came first. <laughs> um, but you know, I was recruited late. Um, but everything lined up perfect. Like my coach, I filled out a questionnaire on a whim. He called me in like nine minutes. I remember, um, it was just, everything was perfect the way that it all lined up on my visit. I swear I've never been more welcome somewhere. Um, and you know, obviously they, they gave me a little bit, you know, you, they helped out with school a lot more than other, other schools would have, um, but the team was just amazing. And I felt like I was somebody on the team. And that's kind of was my, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to go to a school where I felt like I was number one. And I didn't want to be the last, but I wanted to be like a part of it. Um, and I fit right in. And, you know, for me, when I picked it, it was just everything was, it just was meant to be. It sounds like you were almost describing a family experience that you were looking for. <laughs> Um, which I guess shouldn't be that big of a surprise because you're one of nine siblings. Oh my goodness. I read that. I <laughs> no, I have nine. Okay. That is, yeah. that is insane. All right. So I see. So you go, so this was Cumberland, right? You went to Cumberland. That's where you ran. Yeah. All right. So did, when you went in, um, were you thinking more track team or cross country team? And I know that most runners do both, but what was kind of the emphasis for you going in? I definitely was more cross country. Um, and then I, in, in track, I ended up running the 800 in college. So yeah, it was crazy. Like you said, I was a 200 meter and then all of a sudden two mile or now I'm an 800 runner in college, but, um, cross country is definitely has my heart. Something about, you know, not running circles on a track, um, <laughs> uh, seemed a little bit more exciting to me. I'm going to take a quick break from my interview with Audrey to talk about Mercury Mile. They've been so generous in supporting the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you go onto their website and type in Rambling Runner 10, you're going to save 10 bucks in the stylus fee, and you're also going to help the show. So that's great. Speaking of money, one thing that I want to make sure that everyone understands is that if you get one of these boxes, the price of the gear is really inexpensive. That's the one thing that shocked me. I was expecting to get great stuff, and there really is. There's some really good stuff in these boxes. Uh, I haven't sent anything back. But even if I you know, wasn't quite sure whether I was like into the service or not, the one thing that really sold me was just the prices. So if you decide to keep what's in the box, you're not only going to get great stuff, you're going to get it at a good price. And I think that's one of the things with some of these box companies that you're never quite sure what you're going to be getting from a price perspective. And I'll tell you, with Mercury Mile, you don't have to worry about it. It's it's a, it's great stuff. I keep all my gear. I'm happy for it. And the convenience of just getting stuff sent to me by someone who knows what they're doing. Um, shoot, I don't know what I'm doing from a style perspective. If anyone comes to the meetup, you'll get to see that in person. I can barely dress myself. So having a stylist come in and let me know what's going on from a style perspective is very helpful. So thank you so much for Mercury Mile. And now back to the show with Audrey Springer. Right. And then, you know, you described how this, this was, this felt right. It is, had everything you were looking for. Um, not, I shouldn't say it. it didn't have everything you were looking for. You were almost looking at, at the opposite kind of school. But once you were there, it fit in perfectly, I guess, with your gut feeling and your instincts for what you were, what you thought was best. 
And then at the same time, you know, you've detailed how you got your college scholarship cut and that was, you know, a big thing um, kind of in your maturation as a runner. So what happened in college where that, where all of a sudden um, things were not really going your way? Um, you know, you get, for me, you know, I, I was very like to bed at 9 PM and I was very strict and very hard on myself. So when I went to college and I lost all that structure, uh, 6 a.m. practice. I had 8 a.m. labs. I had, um, I was taking, you know, 18 credit hours. Um, and then I had 3 p.m. practice. And then we had, you know, all this stuff. And I probably didn't go to bed until midnight. So here you are with six hours of sleep. And I just, I kept, I just gained weight. And that was my own fault. No one else's but my own. And, you know, when your times are a little bit less than what your coach, you know, specifically it felt like a job to me you know your coach hired you and here they're paying you to complete a job and you aren't you aren't living up to that standard you know it was it was assumable that my scholarship was going to be cut um when you aren't performing that's what happens and that was my own fault and nobody else's um but I lived through it and I learned from it and you know I I left college my junior year and I said no, this is not what I want to finish on. This is not what this is not what I came for, and I'm not going to leave my senior year and not prove to myself that I belong on this team. So I worked so hard my summer, my senior year summer before school, and I went back in the best shape of my life. You know, I worked so hard that summer too, and even my coach said, you know, that you he couldn't stop complimenting on how hard he noticed I worked and that was worth every bit of work I did over that summer. So what did, what were your times and what did you feel like before that summer started? So I guess what was like, so just from a transformation perspective, where were you in say beginning of May and where were you beginning of September? Um, so I don't think we ran over, I don't know, seven miles at practice or anything like that. Um, and I probably was running, um, I don't know, 21, 10, 21, 30, 5Ks, um, which in college, you know, they, that's not, that's not competitive. Um, and then I probably weighed, I don't know, quite a bit. Um, <laughs> uh, then when over the summer, I think I peaked at 13 miles. So I definitely, uh, my mile. Oh, wow. Weight. Yeah, so I just I would go out and run and not want to stop, kind of a thing. Um, and I worked a over the summers I would work a warehouse job. I worked six a.m. to four thirty, and I was a packer. Ooh. So that was like manual labor. Um, and then I worked at finish line, and I worked at a little small dairy hut. So I was working every day six a.m. to about ten p.m. at night, and I probably had like a half hour in between. So somewhere in there, I was fitting in about 40 miles a week. Um, and I went back to college and I was probably running, I was probably in like 20 minute shape ish, maybe a little bit faster. Wow. So you cut almost 30 seconds a mile from your 5k yeah. time in a, in a few months. Yeah, that was definitely worked hard for that, but. I just, I just did not want to leave not knowing if I could do it, you know? Now, for you, was that 
all internal, like reflection, or was there something that you know, either a conversation you had with your coach or teammates or friends or family? Like what spurred on that last kind of that last push going into the summer that maybe for whatever reason wasn't quite there earlier on in your college career? Yeah, um, the summer, I think my the year before, the summer before my senior year, you know, I had been dating a guy and I, you know, lost a lot of friends and um, it was just a really hard summer for me and it became like a solo summer. Like I had a lot more to prove to myself that, you know, I went through a really hard time with that whole thing that all I had left to me in my mind was all I had left was running. And that kind of has reflected a lot in my life, like where I become really strong after hardships like that. But um, I think that it was like all I had left was, was running, you know, and all I, all I could control in my life was running and my weight and my, um, you know, as long as I kept working, that was structured every day. But the only thing that I felt like I had control over was running and that if I came back and proved myself in that and felt like I was part of the team and it was very internal and very, you know, in my mind about the whole thing. So it was me and it was me pushing myself because, you know, at that, at that point in my life, I felt like I had nothing else but to run. And then after college, you obviously decided to keep running. We've already talked about that extensively. So, that, and I think a lot of people might be surprised by this, for a lot of college runners, that's not necessarily a given. There's a wide range of college runners, you know, Division One, Two, II, and Three, who once they finish up, they don't stick with it, whether either it's because they don't have the competition they, they used to have or maybe they just can't stomach the idea of running slower times than they used to run, Um I know I had that same experience with basketball. I don't play basketball anymore, so I get so frustrated when I play because I'm not nearly as good as I used to be, and it's just like this vicious cycle. Um, and other people would just say, hey, man, I've had enough. I got burned out from running, and now I just don't do it anymore. Um, not to say that everyone does that, but there's a large number of runners who do do that. So what about your running experience, um, I guess, caused you to kind of keep it going? Um, so after I graduated, I'm – I'm from Ohio, so I moved from, you know, Kentucky to Ohio, and then I moved down to Knoxville, Tennessee, and I didn't know, the only person I knew in town was my boyfriend, and the only thing I knew how to do (laughs) was to run, so it was kind of like, oh, I don't have any friends, and I don't have anything else to do, so I went running, and would go to the park, I was like, okay, well, I have like four hours until it gets dark, like, what else do I do, um, (laughs) Uh, what else was really cool was that I worked at a wellness center and um, they would pay for us to do a race like once or twice a year. And every year they would do um, this fall race. And so I said, okay, I'll sign up for it. I guess I, I've been a runner, you know, and they, always, they looked at me like I was going to kind of put it all together and kind of keep us all together. But um, so I felt like I had to uphold that and that felt, you know, you're like, you're part of something again. And, um, so they were big, you know, inspiration to me to keep going and keep training and things like that. Uh, and then we did the same thing for the Knoxville half that spring. Um, 
so I think they were a big motivation for me to keep going and keep running. Um, I've always been so competitive my entire life that if I didn't have that, I, I really thought, <laughs> I think I would go crazy. I think that's why I keep running. Cause I feel like we need something to work towards and work for. And, um, I don't know. I think it's instilled in me that I'm a runner and I'm going to be, <laughs> I'm going to be racing for a while. So what are some of the short-term and long-term goals that you're thinking about now? So I just signed up for a 5K um, April 28th. So um, my PR in the 5K is in 1936 that I set, I think, my junior year of high school. Um, So for me right now, my goal is that I want to kind of break that. And I think, you know, I'm in this. Should I sign up for a marathon? Should I, you know, sign up for another half that's maybe flatter and I could beat my 135 um, barrier that I've set for myself? But at this point, I'm like, okay, well, hey, like, go for it. You've got this kind of speed base from these last five weeks of training. Um, So I'm going to kind of build on it and see what I can do and see if I can break that. Um, That's kind of my short-term goal, I guess, for the next month. Um, Long-term, I don't know how long we're talking, but I want to qualify for the New York Marathon. I think that's like, obviously, I want to get back to Boston. That would be super ideal. But my all-time, all-time goal is to qualify for New York. Got it. And you're what, 324 marathoner? Is that your PR? Uh, 326. 326. Okay, got it. So, well, with your half marathon time, just, you know, just you know, a week or two ago, especially with your first three miles, right, you were running, what, like you said, 7.11, 7.12, roughly. So you must feel pretty good about, you know, where you stand going into this 5K. When was the last time you ran uh, a 5K all out? Last July, I did a, like, firecracker 5K or something, um, and it went terrible. I was, <laughs> it was awful. Um, so I'm hoping to kind of redeem myself. So it's been about a year. Um, before that, I couldn't tell you the last time I did a 5K. Yeah, they're miserable, man. <laughs> I feel like I, that, that's kind of like my race of choice. Um just because I, I don't run enough miles to really excel at a, at a, at a farther distance. Um, and it's a uh, shoot, man. It is a, I get so nervous at the start line <laughs> just because I know it's like, all right, like you got to, you know, I got to do this. And I know it's not going to be like super, um, you know, super comfortable, <laughs> especially the last, <laughs> the last mile or so. But I also don't race it a lot. I feel like that's also kind of the negative. Like it's because I don't race 5Ks very often. I get super nervous right right before it. Um, so when you ran your last 5K, that was kind of like in the middle of your overtraining streak. Do you feel like that was part of the reason that it didn't didn't really go your way? Yeah, no, it was. That was like the peak of it. Like it went. I just felt terrible from we weren't even across the start line. And I was like, oh, this is going to go real bad, you know. Um, no, but I truly feel like when you're in a 5K, it hurts. It's like a different hurt than a marathon, like just going that fast. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like lung pain, not like body soreness. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's for sure. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, I really love your blog. I got it right here. Oh, my goodness. I lost my little page of notes. Here we go. Um, www.runningthealley. That's A-L-L-E-Y dot com. Um, you do great work. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much oh. for coming on. Uh, but before we get going, I just want to ask you a couple quick questions like I do with all of my guests um, right here at the end of each show. Um, when you're running, are you going headphones or no headphones? Headphones, for sure. I tried to not wear headphones, and literally I got so bored. So um, I'm headphones all the way. And what are you listening to? Um, okay, so my half marathon, I was listening to NF, and – Every song by them literally gets me so pumped up. So I am a huge fan right now of them. They are like, they're kind of rap. Have you heard them? They're kind of rappy yet. Um, I don't know. No, I haven't. Oh, you need to listen to them. They, you'll get so fired up. It's not even funny. Yeah. See my, I am not like up on the music game, like at all. <laughs> I at Oh, I swear to God, like, unless you wanted to, like, talk about children's music, like, I'm on point with that right now uh, <laughs> with my three- and six-year-old. But basically, besides that, unless someone's, like, performing at halftime of the Super Bowl, I feel like I'm completely out of touch. <laughs> They're pretty good. Um, I like Eminem when I'm running, too. I don't know why. Um, oh, man, and people think I'm so weird. I listen to country music sometimes when I'm running. It's just Jason Aldean or something, you know? So does that get you pumped up, or is that better for, like, the long runs where you just try to keep an even tempo? I definitely listened to it at the beginning of the marathon or half because it was a little bit slower, um, just so I would kind of stay a little bit more on pace. Um, but, no, I can listen to Jason Aldean and during a speed workout. It's so weird. <laughs> All right. So what's the best advice that you give others but that you have trouble following? Um, running slow. I, I always stress it to people. I'm like, start slow. Yeah. You need to like your easy day should be easy. And I have such a, I have to like mentally stop and be like, no, you need to slow down. So I think that's probably the biggest advice I give, but the one that I have such a hard time following. Yeah. Especially if you feel fresh, it's almost like, well, what's the point? I feel so good. Um, all right. Who motivates you as a runner? Um, okay. A lot of people, um, you know, my coach really, um, who is your coach? Um, his name is Jeff White. Uh, and you know, he is one of those people that just wants everyone to do really well. And he's just like your biggest cheerleader, your biggest, like, he's always there to remind you or to tell you like just anything about your workouts or, you know, give you advice that you couldn't even you couldn't even ask for it. And he would just give you things that hit right, right home or in the heart. You know, um, my sister motivates me a lot. Everybody in my family is just such a big supporter of me. So that's, that means a lot. I'm the only one running, so they have to deal with my craziness, but. (laughs) (laughs) All right. If you could run one more race for the rest of your life, but you could run it every year, what race would that be? The Knoxville Marathon, oh, the half, both. I like it. Um, you know, I've kind of made Knoxville my home. It's been your, it's been my place where I've transformed and I've become, you know, 
this person that I've always wanted to be and I've grown and I've learned a lot. Um, so I feel like it's kind of got a big piece of my heart. So if I had to pick one, it'd be Knoxville. And what, and I think you've already answered this question, but what's your bucket list race? Um, the New York marathon for sure. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, all right. Last one. Who is your dream or ideal running partner? Um, Allie Kiefer for sure. Um, she, ever since she ran her first marathon that everyone kind of just like, she just killed it. Um, I feel like she's just connected and kind of been that person that I've looked to for inspiration and, um, you know, with the whole body image and she's so real and raw and just, you know, everything that you would expect a typical runner to be, but she's just insanely amazing at what she does. So, and humble, she's so humble. So for sure her. Well said. I couldn't agree more uh, on all of that. She is, she is all the things that you mentioned. Um, she's done a couple of really good podcasts as well. If people don't know Allie's story, um, I think she's appeared on Lindsay Hines. I'll have another podcast. Uh, I'm a big fan of Lindsay's work. Um, so I'd tell people to check that one out. She might've been on it twice actually, um, it's within the past year. Um, if you don't know Allie Kiefer, even if you do, I would check that out because uh, it really is a, a fun listen. So, Audrey, thank you so much for coming on. This was Aww. fantastic. Thank you for having me. This is amazing. It's my pleasure. Well, hey, good luck with the 5K on the 28th, and I can't wait to see how that and uh, the rest of 2018 goes for you. Thank you. I hope you have a good 2018 as well. I can't wait to keep following your journey. Oh, likewise. All right. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. All right. That is it for today's show. Thank you so much, Audrey Springer, for coming on. It really was a blast talking to you. I'm also excited uh, for the meetup coming next week on Sunday, April 15th, 130 to 3.30 at the Boston Common Coffee Company on 515 Washington Street, just south of the Boston Common in downtown Boston. That's going to be a blast. First 49 people in the door get a free t-shirt. I'm grabbing the first one. So the rest of you can can uh, can go for the other 49. Uh, but I really am looking forward to that. And with all that being said, a big shout out to Mercury Mile. Again, visit mercurymile.com if you're in the mood for some new running gear or just, hey, what's, what's the harm? You go there. If you don't like this stuff in the box, you can always send it back. But I got to be honest with you, I've never sent anything back. I've loved it all. And I'm actually going to post a receipt from uh, Mercury Mile to show you that the the prices of the stuff that they send you, not only is it high-quality gear, it's really reasonably priced. It, they're, they're not sticking you with something that's high-priced that they hope you won't return. They're sending you good stuff at good prices, and uh, I'm all for it. So, again, thank you so much to Mercury Mile. Thanks to On Your Mark for providing the shirts for the meetup, and thanks to all of you for listening to the show. Happy running. <laughs>